Hello, listeners. It's Susan, and welcome to the March edition of the Divorce and Beyond Headlines Roundup. This is where I take some of the top stories in the news about divorce and related topics, and I dig into them for the helpful hints and interesting advice that everyone can learn from these high-profile cases. So listen in as we dive into the latest and greatest, or maybe not so great, divorce-breaking news. Um, I think I'm going to start with, it's, it actually came out a couple weeks ago, um, country singer Sam Hunt's pregnant wife, Hannah Lee Fowler, filed for divorce. Um, and although, uh, you know, people file for divorce all the time, we actually don't see people filing for divorce that often when they are pregnant. Um, so I think that raised the level of uh, people paying attention to this, certainly, um, because uh, this is you know going on well a baby is expected. And actually, I think the fact that she was pregnant was revealed in the paperwork, because when you file for divorce, you have to list the children of the marriage and... If someone is pregnant, um, actually in Connecticut where I used to practice, you actually have to say whether or not the mother of the children is pregnant in some of the paperwork. So it would become immediately um, known when the divorce paperwork was filed if someone is pregnant. So that is likely how the news came out. It's also interesting because it looks like, based on what I'm reading in the news, that she filed for divorce not only um, for irreconcilable differences or irretrievable breakdown, which is basically the no-fault language uh, that we use in court and that you see in 90-plus percent of divorce filings, but it looks like she also um, alleged that her husband was guilty of inappropriate marital conduct and adultery. Um, which is a fault ground for divorce. She filed in Tennessee, which is, you know, Nashville is, I believe, where they live, country music, um, country music's home du jour. Um, and that is actually something that you don't see particularly often these days either, um, because for, for a few reasons, right? When you file for divorce, generally the law does look at it as a no-fault situation. And so when someone alleges fault, inappropriate marital conduct or adultery, it is up to that person in most states to then prove that this inappropriate marital conduct and or adultery occurred, which frankly isn't always that easy. Um, those are those are things that people go to great lengths to hide and you have to prove it in a courtroom. Um, and then they also have to prove that that was the cause for the breakdown of the marriage. Um, and while I know everybody thinks, well, sure, he, he cheated on her, therefore that was the cause of the breakdown of the marriage, um, I've talked about on other podcast episodes that, you know, that is not necessarily how a court sees it because a court considers that a happily married person doesn't go out and find outside relationships so that there was obviously, or allegedly at, la at least, something wrong with the marriage um, and it was arguably broken down 
ahead of the adultery happening. So this will be an interesting case to unfold for a few reasons. One is how far they're going to take those false grounds. Very often it's filed as a negotiating tool when you have someone who's famous or high profile who doesn't want that kind of negative persona out there. So it's done in a way to leverage for negotiation purposes. And then ultimately, if they come to an agreement, they will go forward on the no-fault grounds and drop the fault grounds. Um, So that's what we would usually see. Um, In addition, they will be having to make provisions for the unborn child, um, who of course might be born during the course of the divorce. Um, But even if that child is not born, there will need to be accommodations and, and custodial awards and support for that child that will that will at least go into place upon the birth of the child. Um, so there, there were a few things that I thought were of interest. You really don't see that many cases filed on fault grounds these days. Um, another case, I mean, all right, let's just jump into it, right? Because I don't know how I can avoid talking about Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. A lot has happened in their um, ongoing situation, I'll call it, uh, since we last spoke in February's headlines roundup. So we've had more what I will call acting out aggressive behavior on the part of Kanye West. Um, A couple of weeks ago, he issued a new music video, which was actually, you know, I'm just going to say it from my perspective, a little horrifying. about uh, Kim Kardashian's boyfriend, Pete Davidson, in the video. Pete is kidnapped and buried alive. Um, It's an extremely violent representation. Um, Kanye might call it art. I I consider the um, violence of that nature probably not particularly artistic, Um, but unfortunately, Kanye West continues to get away with bad behavior by by leveraging this this concept that he is an artist. Um, But then thereafter, I found this interesting. He got locked out of uh, Instagram by Meta, which is formerly Facebook, but who owns Instagram for 24 hours due to harassing posts. And when I first saw that headline, I have to tell you, I thought it was because of that video. I'm like, that clearly is, you know, inciting violence. It has to violate something. I thought, well, it took them long enough to get that down. No, it turns out that poor Trevor Noah, who comes, um, is a child of a relationship. His mother was uh, physically abused by his father, shot in the head. Um, she survived, but so certainly Trevor has a, a high level of sensitivity to domestic violence situations, which many people are comparing um, Kanye's behaviors to Kim, two types of domestic violence. I, I would concur with that. Um, absolutely. So don't let me, don't let it be said. I'm not saying it is not. I, I believe that it is very much domestic violence, but Kanye's response to, um, to the comments from Trevor Noah was to post a racist, very interesting, uh, rant 
on Instagram calling um, Trevor Noah a racial slur. Um, explain that to me. I'm not quite sure I understand uh, where where that's appropriate ever. Um, but for that, uh, Meta banned him or or blocked him off of his Instagram for 24 hours. What effect that will ever have on Kanye West? It would appear none because he's back and I'm assuming back at it. Um, but it is, I think, notable that and something for us all to watch that people are increasingly discussing what's happening here. And in fact, Trevor Noah even said it, you know, here we have probably the most famous and one of the wealthiest women in the world. And she cannot stop her ex from harassing her and threatening her and involving their children and from behaving poorly. Um, and, and that's such an inadequate way to phrase what he's doing. But, um, you know, as Trevor said, if Kim cannot um, manage the high conflict personality that she has divorced, what chance do regular women have? And it really, truly, this is for people who do not understand how hard it is to separate from a high conflict person, a person with narcissistic personality disorder or borderline personality disorder or paranoid dis um, or antisocial personality disorder, you are watching it happen on a screen uh, in, in full, real time, full technicolor. Um, on social media and in the news with this Kardashian West divorce. Now, I do want to say they are divorced. Um, we talked about that, or I talked about that last month in the headlines. Kim had filed for a bifurcation of their divorce, something that is allowed in, in California, not in all states, but California does allow it, which basically allows the court to terminate the legal relationship of marriage, but without having resolved the financial or parenting aspects of the divorce. So the parties are declared single and are able to move forward. They can remarry. They are no longer a married couple. She is no longer Kim Kardashian West. Her name uh, was restored legally to Kim Kardashian, and they are a divorced couple um, for all intents and purposes. They do still need to work out the issues of their parenting plan and to whatever extent uh, their prenup left the finances undone, they have to finalize that. And she was just on the Ellen DeGeneres show, um, happens to be yesterday from when I was taping this, and said she's, you know, she is trying to take the high road amid her messy divorce from Kanye. And I just want to read a quote um, I'll always be productive. I always want my kids to just see the best of the best. So I just try to, as hard as it can be sometimes, I do try to ignore it and just try to do whatever's best for the kids. I always saw such a good example in my mom and dad in their relationship, so I'm always just hopeful. And no matter what goes on, Kanye is the father of my kids. Um, that is, you know, that is an ideal. Um, I applaud her for putting that out there. I can only imagine how difficult um, it must be to even say that, let alone live that. And we'll never know what happens behind the closed doors. But it's interesting. The other day, Michelle Dempsey-Multak 
um, whose new book, uh, Moms Moving On, is a number one bestseller. It just came out this past week. Go listen to the episode. Go get the book. It's amazing. But in that podcast episode, Michelle said, um, you know, you should never bash your ex to your children. And in the episode, I said, but you're going to hear, yeah, but, yeah, but. And in the I posted a, that excerpt. And immediately in the comments, I saw not necessarily the exact words, yeah, but, but definitely people who were saying, yeah, but my, somebody called their ex a POS, which I believe stands for a piece of shit, et cetera. But I don't tell my kids that. Well, let me just point out, if you think your kids don't know that you think their other parent is a piece of shit, even if you don't call them that, um, and you're putting that there on social media uh, because that's what's at the forefront of your mind, you probably are not hiding that from your children. And we really do to the best of our ability because as Kim said, try, try to ignore it and just try to do whatever's best for the kids. Whatever is best for the kids is generally to have the love of both of their parents. Um, that parent, the one who is acting out and behaving irrationally, I mean, I don't think anyone can deny that Kanye West is way beyond appropriate behavior, um, but you know, she wants, and she's at least verbally saying that she tries to ignore it and just do whatever is best for her kids. So I will just you know applaud her for that and urge everyone to consider that, um, you know, what you can do is just say nothing. As our moms always said, I don't know if you grew up with the same mom I did, but if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Um, and try not to put POS out there about your thoughts about your ex. It's really not helpful to you. It's certainly not helpful to your kids. And that's something that we all need to consider when our children are one half of their other parent. So enough about Kim and Kanye. I'm sure in April we're going to be talking about them again as well. I truly hope that it's not something horrifying and horrible that we'll be talking about. Um, I'm sending all kinds of good wishes and prayers out there for everyone's safety and well-being in that particular case. Um, but I do want to move on to a few other cases. We have um, a recent headline stating that Julia Hart, who I believe is in a show called My Unorthodox Life, um, who is getting a divorce from her ex, Silvio Scaglia, um, it says, Julia Hart wanted by police for allegedly stealing Bentley um, and that the police showed up at her parking garage to get um, a $132,000 luxury vehicle. That's what the headline said. When you read further into the article, it's actually what I wanted to point out here is that the police did nothing in this particular case. And that is what you're usually going to find um, when somebody makes a complaint against someone they are divorcing and they claim there's been a theft or there's been property that has been stolen or property that has been removed, the police will take a look at this and they will usually say, this is a civil matter. This is a matter for your divorce, not for the police. And this is something that I have seen in my career over and over and over again. 
Um, whether or not this was a theft, she um, was, it's a leased vehicle. So whether or not it, you can call it stolen, um, it, you know, there's a lot of legalities under it. Um, I'm not going to get to that because I'm not involved in this case and I do not know the actual um, legal legality of the ownership of that vehicle. But a few things to note. One, if you file for divorce, and you are leasing a vehicle in your name or you own a vehicle in your name, but your spouse is using it and customarily used it during the divorce, that does not mean that you get to go just take that vehicle from them, um, especially not if they are making the payments on it, etc. You need to go through proper channels through the court, the family court, the divorce court, to get orders for the return of that property if that's what you want. You don't contact the police. Um, and that's what you know it is they stated in this particular case the cops initially engaged when the husband called identified the whole thing as part of an acrimonious divorce and walked away the car remains in place so she kept the car so that's something to remember you actually end up causing more harm to your divorce case when you when you treat things in this fashion in this incredibly aggressive call the cops on your ex kind of way certainly you do that if you are in harm but if it's over a vehicle then you go to the family court you file your motions there and you deal with it there or better yet you go to mediation and you talk about it in that particular setting um, so I really wanted people to be aware of that that this whole concept of during divorce somebody stealing a vehicle from the other person this was certainly sensationalized because of the value of it and the, the fact that it was a Bentley um, very Hollywood but it, it could be anything I've had this actual situation over the family dog um, which in many states is still treated like a piece of furniture or a vehicle um, and the police are not going to go get your dog from your ex who won't give the dog back. You're going to have to go to the courthouse and deal with it in the family court. So here's another one. And this kind of is the same situation or at least sort of touches on some of the same um, sort of concepts of when you file for divorce. We have another Bravo divorce. Would I, somebody, I just saw this called, they're called Bravo celebrities. <laughs> People who are made famous just because they happen, like the Real Housewives, um, I would say, who are, uh, I don't know if I have a Real Housewife in the, in the headlines this month, um, but they usually, there's one or two in here. But another Bravo divorce with million dollar listing star Josh Flagg, who just purchased an over $9 million Hollywood home right after he announced his split from his husband, Bobby Boyd. Now, a few things with this. He announced that they're splitting. He announced that they're getting divorced. But because he went out and purchased a property, I suspect there has not been a divorce filed yet. And what makes me think that? Well, in most states, and certainly in California, where they are, where they're living, Hollywood, um, there's something that goes into place upon the filing of a divorce action, meaning the actual paperwork is filed and served and the action is started in the court. And they're called temporary restraining orders or automatic orders, automatic restraining orders. In California, they call them ATROs, automatic temporary restraining orders. 
And essentially those, like the name says, they automatically go into place. They put restraints on both sides of the divorce, both the party, both husband and husband or wife and wife or husband and wife. And basically say, neither one of you can do anything financial that's out of the ordinary course of business without a written agreement between the two of you or a court order. So this would be something that, you know, and I'm not saying it's exactly what happened in this case, but what I wanted to sort of highlight from this is that when those orders go into place, either... Josh would have had to go to Bobby or through their attorneys gotten a written agreement that he could go ahead with this sale and add some debt or add assets or change assets or tie up assets or would have had to get a, um, a, an order from the court allowing him to go through with this. Now, there are other issues, like if this was a long-standing contract that had been signed before the divorce, and so he was contractually obligated to go through with the sale, that may have had a bearing on it. Um, if it's separate property, that may have had a bearing on it. But what you need to take from this is one, you need to understand that as soon as the divorce is filed, and that means in most states when you or your attorney signs the paperwork to file it, to get the action started, or if you're the defendant or respondent, when you are served with the paperwork, those orders go into place. And you would be in violation of those court orders if you do something that you are not supposed to do. And again, that's usually financial, but there are also, if you have minor children, there are usually some restrictions on taking the children permanently outside of the state. Some states, you cannot take the children outside of the state, whether it be permanent or not. Um, so there are other, you can't uh, keep the children from the other parent without a court order. Um, so there are a variety of things to be aware of and your attorney should be making you aware of these when you get your action started. So it's very important and something that many people will take into consideration as to when they're going to file their divorce. So here's another little tidbit, right? If you're going to other things you can't do, change beneficiaries on life insurance policies. Uh, change health insurance, um, move monies around again, may, you know, enter into agreements, um, for the future purchase or sale of things. So something to take into consideration when you're timing your divorce. Now I'm not implying you should go do these things in a sneaky way. You're only going to ramp up the adversity and the court can still take into consideration that you did something just before filing for divorce. So don't think that you're going to pull you know, some sneaky little um, thing by going and you know, doing these things just before the divorce and that the court won't take note of it. They will, you just may not be in contempt of the automatic orders. Um, so these are things that I think, you know, you read these headlines and they're certainly sensationalized, but if you dive underneath and look at what's happening in these cases, there's always a lot that we can learn when we dive into those headlines. So thank you for joining me for a review of March's uh, headlines. And I hope you found it interesting and educational. 
If you do, can I ask you to do me a favor and leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts for the show? That is the number one way that other people find podcasts, and I really want them to also benefit and come to, you know, understanding that we can learn something from every case and then also from all my experts and all our regular episodes. So come back next week for more great episodes designed to help you through your divorce and beyond.